Hey everyone, it's Pastor Brandon here, and I'm so excited to do the intro for this new series I'm going to be doing. It's going to be 14 weeks, and each week we're going to discuss one of the 14 declarations of faith of the Church of God denomination. Because we here at North Point, we're a part of the Church of God denomination, and it's a great thing, and we have great theology and great beliefs that we really subscribe to, and as a body, I think it's important to know what we're a part of. So I just want to break down these 14 declarations of faith, these pillars of beliefs we as a denomination have, theology that we believe, and so these next 14 weeks, I'm really excited to break them down with you, and this is episode 8, so let's dive right into it. Hey everyone and happy Monday. I'm so excited that it's Monday again. I I love these Mondays. I love being able to dive in to what we believe. And I can't believe it. This is week eight. We have been doing this for seven weeks now and we are in week eight. I, it's gone by so fast. And thank you to everyone who's tuned in and, and been a part of this. It is so amazing to see the feedback and see that you guys are using this as a tool to to further your faith and further cement what you believe. That is, there's nothing more exciting to me as a minister and and as someone who who chases God to be able to help fellow Christians and and build them up in their faith with God. It it makes me so excited and trust me, I don't take it for granted because it really is such an honor to be able to do this. I. I have to thank Pastor Arp here at North Point. Uh, him allowing me to do this, he, it, it really is special. I, I've been wanting to do this for a long time after I taught it in the youth group here at North Point, and I love that I am able to share this with our Spotify family. So, this week, we are diving into Declaration 8. If you missed out on Declaration 7, you can tune right back into that episode. It is, all the episodes are here on Spotify, so catch up and, and let's, and, and then come and, and be with us here with Declaration 8. And this Declaration, Declaration 8, it says, We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit subsequent to a clean heart. So, when we hear this phrase, this is all about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we know what that means, right? This is, this is a sticking point that a lot of churches, they don't really like. <laughs> they, some believe it's of the devil. Some believe it's, it just it ended in the Bible. And, and some just don't tap into it. But the Holy Spirit is, is the power that us Christians get to wield. That God gave us the third head of the Trinity. And this head of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is the one that is in us every day. And when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, that comes with other tongues, and that comes with power, and that comes with authority, and that comes with knowledge, and it comes with all we need to be effective Christians in our walk. I I use this example with my youth, and it, it's Kind of silly, but the truth is, and I think I've even used it in one of these other podcasts now that I think about it, the Holy Spirit is the gas that gets us moving. If if we are someone using a car, if our Christian walk is a car, right, God is the car. Jesus is the key that opens the door to the car. And then the Holy Spirit is the gas that gets the car moving. 
without the Holy Spirit, we will be saved. And we will go to heaven. But we're not going to be super effective here on earth where God wants us to minister. So, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit of God. It's described as an outpouring of the Spirit by which the believer is filled with the presence of the third person of the Trinity, like I said earlier. And the third person, or the third head of the Trinity, serves us as believers as our advocate. The, the indwelling as advocate gives us as the believer special endowment of the power of God. Now, I know advocate is, is a big word. I know a lot of my teens, when I say, hey, the Holy Spirit is our advocate, they don't really know what I'm talking about. And the example I use for them, when I think of an advocate, I think of also a brand ambassador or someone on social media who is sponsored by a brand. And on TikTok, Instagram, you can see when there's sponsored content, it, they have to disclose it legally but they are an influencer using their influence to drive people to go use this brand. They are advocating for the brand. They are standing in the gap, pushing and singing the praises of this brand. Say they're repping Nike and they, they are wearing they are head to toe clad in Nike, from shoes to sweatpants to hoodies to hats. I think Nike makes it all. And they say, Hey guys, go by Nike, wear Nike. They are advocating for the brand of Nike, and that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He is doing all he can for us. He is advocating for us. He is pushing for us. He is helping us achieve all we can possibly achieve. He is singing our praises. He is here to give us that endowment of God's power, to fill us, to help us move forward and move and do ministry all for God. So I have a uh, actual written definition apart from my example. So an advocate is a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause, person, or policy. Kind of like what I just described. And listen, the experience is dependent upon a prior experience of the purification of the heart. And it's the evidence that the believer who receives it has been freed from the law of sin and death. So, in order to qualify for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we must have a clean heart. So when we say this in the declaration, the word they used is subsequent. As in, this baptism of the Holy Spirit comes after we have a clean heart. The the having the clean heart, that is a prerequisite for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We cannot get that until we are saved and we are freed from the law of sin and death. Let's read Acts 1.8. Out of the New Living Translation, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of of the earth. The scripture uses the term baptize with the Holy Spirit. In this translation, it uses the word receive. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But in other translations, it says they are you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And 
it's really, you think about what a baptism is, at least for us Pentecostals, we don't just splash, right? We're not splashers, we're not sprinklers. When we baptize, and there's actually a reason for that, and it's one of our declarations, so spoiler, spoiler alert, I will talk about that later, but you think about in a normal Pentecostal or charismatic or you know, pretty modern church, a lot of them, when they baptize, they fully dunk you in water. Like I said, there is spiritual significance to that. But we are dunking you with water and you are fully submerged in water. So when I think about being baptized with the Holy Spirit, we are fully submerged. We are fully covered, drenched in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the third person the third Godhead of the Trinity. God loves us so much that he wants to literally blanket us, drench us from head to toe as much as we can be covered with the Holy Spirit. That's just amazing to me. And God poured out his Holy Spirit, just like he does on us, on the disciples at the day of Pentecost. And this term of baptizing baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was also applicable to the other instances recorded in the Bible in the book of Acts where believers received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, A comparison of these passages will, will show the terms baptize or the phrase give the Spirit or fill with the Spirit, and all of them are kind of equivalent. They all mean about the same thing, just worded a little differently. Uh, The special characteristics of this experience is that the believer is filled with the Spirit. And we can see this in Ephesians 5.18. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this concept of being filled with the Spirit stands in contrast to being drunk with wine. Uh, To be filled with the Spirit is to be brought under the influence of the Spirit of God. You know, they, they use that phrase when you're, when you're drunk, you're under the influence of alcohol because these aren't the decisions you would normally make. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit is a little similar where when we're under the influence of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit governs the nature of the believer, our minds, our emotions, our will. We're making decisions that we normally wouldn't make because the Holy Spirit is guiding us and helping direct our steps and giving us what we should do as opposed to without the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't know how to do this. And I'm not advocating for alcohol here. I'm just showing you the dichotomy between the two because that's what the Bible lists here. Because you think about it, when you're drunk with wine, when you're drunk, Your inhibitions drop and you make decisions that you wouldn't make sober and not in a good way, but in a bad way. When you drive drunk, the lines are blurred. You have no depth perception. You don't, it's it's not a clear picture. And that's why so many car crashes happen because you're not seeing things clearly. And you're not seeing things as you were if you weren't under the influence. But when we're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we are seeing things far more clear than we could ever see before. And God is directing us to opportunities and things that we wouldn't have seen without the infilling of the Holy Spirit, without being fully brought under the influence of the Spirit. We wouldn't have seen these, we wouldn't have known these, and we wouldn't have went that way in the best way possible. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, it is truly the equipping 
we need. If we are to minister to this world, the equipping we need comes straight from God and it comes from the Holy Spirit being in us. We're not going to get far without the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit can govern our nature. It can take control of us and it can change our thinking, transform our wills, and control our emotions in the best possible way. So the Holy Spirit is the personal agent for the revelation of God. His various titles in the scripture identify the Holy Spirit as Spirit of God, the Spirit of your Father, the Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of Christ, Spirit of His Son. There's so many other titles for the Holy Spirit. And and the special characteristics of these titles is that they identify the Holy Spirit in his relationship, in the Holy Trinity, and in his divine nature. Let's look at John 14, 15 through 17. It says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it is not looking for him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. The experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is promised to those who already believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. In each of the recorded instances in the book of Acts, in which people received the Holy Spirit, the recipients, they were already believers of Christ. After giving the promise of the Holy Spirit, Christ prayed for the sanctifying of the disciples. It is in the nature of the Holy Spirit to require holiness of those whom he fills. Romans 8, 12 through 14. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Mm. To be filled with the Spirit You have to be free from the law of sin and death. It is to walk in the Spirit, manifesting the graces of Jesus Christ. We must be saved and believe in Christ before we can receive the Holy Spirit. I love how it says in John, the world cannot receive him because it's not looking for him. When you don't know Jesus Christ, when you're not saved, when you're not sanctified, when you're not living that holiness life and and reading your Bible and digging into the things of God, you're not going to know to look for the Holy Spirit. The world doesn't even know. But because we already know Jesus, he comes. We know what to look for. And then we get the Holy Spirit, and then even more, the Holy Spirit directs our eyes exactly where we need to go, on what ministries we need to do, on what people or who we need to talk to, how we, to talk, how we are to talk to them, how we are to minister to them. The Holy Spirit gives us all the answers we could ever need, and the Holy Spirit helps us with knowledge of the Bible. The Holy Spirit is the agent of 
for revelation of God, for the revelation of God, our eyes are open through the Holy Spirit to the things of God. We will only be effective as Christians in ministry when we are operating in the Holy Spirit of God, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. I promise. I'm not talking salvation here. I'm talking what we are called to do on this earth, right? Matthew 28, 19, how we are called to make disciples, to see people come to Christ, to do ministry, to see people baptized, to see people then spreading the gospel. We will not do that effectively without the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 2 through 4 says, And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. We cannot follow the Spirit until we are done following our sinful natures. The baptism of the Holy Spirit comes after the new birth, after a clean heart, after being saved. That is the prerequisite. And guys, before I end, I know next week I'm going to be talking all about Declaration 9, which is actually about some of the, the things the Spirit enables us to do. And the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is speaking in other tongues. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The disciples, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other tongues, and they witnessed to thousands. Now, like I said, I just want to stress the importance of the Holy Spirit. Maybe maybe you're a Christian right now listening to this. You've already accepted God. You've been chasing God for maybe years, maybe maybe only a year, maybe a few months, I don't know how long, but you you don't know about this Holy Spirit thing. You're Maybe you're in a church that teaches no. You, you, that, that stopped in the books of the Bible. That stopped after the Bible was over. After the book of Acts, after, after all of that, his spirit was done. You, we don't have that. I'm going to quote a verse to you. I don't have the location offhand, but it says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has the Holy Spirit for us today. And you will not be effective without the Holy Spirit. I promise you that. There is so much ministry that needs to be done. There are so many sinners that need to find God. There are so many people struggling to find identity. They have no clue who they are and they are searching the depths of the earth and the depths of the devil and everything he is throwing at us. They are searching it for identity, for a place to belong, for meaning 
and how we are going to actually get to them is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what draws us to God's word, what draws us to faith. The Holy Spirit is the agent of the revelation of God. So what is the revelation of God? That is the knowledge of God. And we cannot find the knowledge of God without the Holy Spirit and without faith. And we will not be able to spread it effectively without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he can direct your steps. I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean that literally. All you have to do, you say, God, direct my steps. And then listen. Attune your ears to the things of God. Attune your ears to the voice of God. He will speak. He will direct you. And he will empower you. The Holy Spirit is your advocate. The Holy Spirit is ready to publicly support you, to recommend you, to give you all the power you could ever need to do ministry. I just want to challenge you today, if you're listening to this and and you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, ask God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Pray for it. Find find your pastor or a pastor that believes in the gifts of the Spirit and, and, and ask for prayer. God's got something mighty for you, and we need the Holy Spirit to achieve it. Guys, thank you so much for being a part of this. I am just always so excited to be able to do this. It's it's so amazing to talk about some of our core beliefs, theological beliefs, and and just break apart the things of God. It it pumps me up. I love and look forward to every Monday now. You know, people talk about how they get the Monday blues, but I, I get the the Monday excitement because I just love doing these podcasts. And I hope that this week's podcast gave you something to chew on. And look forward to next week. Next week we're going to be talking about Declaration 9, which says we believe in speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives utterance and that it is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So next week is all about the initial evidence and speaking in tongues. So look forward to that, and I will see you next Monday.